the air. You've tuned into the Mark Harrington Show. Sponsored by Created Equal. Time is running out for our nation. I beg of you, you need to stand against the evil that's plaguing our nation. If you don't like abortion, don't have one. The only thing that can be said to be objective truth is that there is no objective truth. Like, you kill a baby fetus, the same thing as killing any old inanimate object. I would argue that we certainly are not all created equal. Mark is training a new generation of leaders. people it's your movement now it's not your parents anymore the blood that is shed cries out to god from the ground for justice and now here's mark well folks if i said that the stakes are high this election that would be the understand uh, understatement of the century because the stakes are awful high for the presidential election coming up on November 3rd. And we're going to be talking about that today here on the Mark Harrington Show. And you can find out more about us by going to markharrington.org. But you can also pick us up on my Facebook page, my public figure page. Uh, We're also on terrestrial radio here in Columbus on AM 880 WRFD and 130 uh, every Saturday as well in Cincinnati, uh, WCVX, 1160 a.m. at 10 o'clock every Saturday, as well as you can pick us up on our podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Periscope, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. So you're listening to your radio activist here on the Mark Harrington Show, and today we're going to be talking about the election, of course, But also, we're going to be talking about this group, uh, Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. There is such a thing, believe it or not. Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. We're going to be talking about them. We're also going to be talking about this notion as to whether it's proper to seek the demise, or I should say maybe the defeat, of our enemies. Uh, Is it Christian? Is it biblical to do that, to pray or seek the demise of someone that is an enemy of Jesus Christ? And then finally on the program, we're going to talk about the confirmation hearings that are about ready to start for Amy Coney Barrett. It's going to start a week from this past Monday, from yesterday in Washington, D.C. It looks as though it's on track. We're going to be talking about that today on the Mark Harrington Show. So before we get started on all this, uh, last night, uh, Vice President Joe Biden was a, at a town hall. And if, you're, if you've ever been wondering what Joe Biden's position on abortion is, this is as clear as it can get. Uh, Joe Biden was asked about Roe v. Wade, asked about abortion last night. Um, at a town hall. If you would, Mr. Producer, go ahead and play that clip. Whenever I was graduating high school and entering college that I wanted to obtain my degree and start a career before starting a family. Having access to birth control and safe reproductive health care was imperative in making that um, true for me. So um, considering the new Supreme Court nomination of Amy um, Coney Barrett, 
What are your particular plans to protect women's reproductive rights in the U.S.? Number one, we don't know exactly what she will do, although the expectation is that she may very well move to overview, overrule Roe. And but the only thing, the only responsible response to that would be to pass legislation making Roe the law of the land. That's what I would do. There you go. I mean, you can't be more clear than that. Vice President Biden stumbled a little bit there, which is not unusual, but um, he stumbled a little bit there. But uh, it's clear what his position is on abortion. Uh, If Roe v. Wade would be overturned, well, it, it doesn't matter whether it's overturned for Vice President Biden. He is going to try to pass a federal law to codify Roe v. Wade. That means put Roe versus Wade into statute that a law passed by the Congress, signed by the president, would make abortion legal, basically up to the time of birth. That's what Roe and Doe did uh, in 1973 when it was handed down by the U.S. Supreme Court. So this has been tried before. Uh, President Bill Clinton tried it early on in his presidency in the early 90s. Uh, It didn't get done. Uh, It was called the Freedom of Choice or, yeah, Freedom of Choice Act, I believe. Uh, face or no. Yeah. Oh, FOCA. Sorry. Freedom of Choice Act. FOCA. I remember that in 1993 or 94. It didn't get done. It might not get done again. But basically what he's saying is he wants a federal law to uh, to codify Roe v. Wade into federal statute. So that's the position of Roe v. Wade. So as evangelicals, we look at that and we say, how can we vote for Joe Biden? Well, there is an organization, a group that it seems like every four years they, uh, you know, pop up their ugly heads and, and make a bunch of noise about their position on the uh, presidential election. And this group, which is called pro, this one here, by the way, is called Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden. Uh, it, it seems as if it would be a oxymoron, but unfortunately there are evangelicals out there uh, they may be small in number, uh, especially leaders that support Joe Biden for president. And on their homepage, it says this, as pro-life evangelicals, we disagree with Vice President Biden on the Democratic platform on the issue of abortion. Uh, by the way, that should be enough right there. We're done. Move on. There is no reason to support him. But to go on, but we believe a biblically shaped commitment, whatever that means, biblically shaped commitment to the sanctity of human life compels us to a consistent ethic of life that affirms the sanctity of human life from beginning to end. So what we want to do here, we want to talk about what is meant by this consistent ethic of life or what we call the consistent life ethic. That's that's what gets floated around. That's the phrase um, that is used by groups like uh, Evangelicals for Life, the pro-life Evangelicals for Life and other groups, this consistent ethic of life. What What is it? Well, let's go down here a little bit further in the on the page where it reads, many things that good political decisions could change destroy persons created in the image of God and violate the sanctity of human life. 
Poverty kills millions every year. So does lack of health care and smoking. Kind of just threw that one in there. Uh, racism kills. Unless we click, quickly make major changes, devastating climate change will kill millions, tens of millions. Poverty, lack of accessible health care services, smoking, there we are again, racism and climate change are all pro-life issues. So here we have it. Basically, pro-life evangelicals for Biden believe that the issue of abortion is not the only pro-life issue. They say that other issues are pro-life issues as well. First of all, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about how abortion is not a life issue, uh, one of many life issues. It is the issue, if it's an issue at all. Uh, We don't debate murder. Murder is not a issue that we debate. Uh, Abortion shouldn't be a issue. Unfortunately, it is caught up in politics, so it becomes an issue, but it shouldn't be. It's not one of many life issues. So this group, um, pro-life evangelicals for Biden, talk about these other so-called life issues, and they talk about a consistent life ethic. And what they do is they'll lump in with abortion things like poverty, lack of affordable health care. By the way, I thought we passed Obamacare. What We were supposed to get past all of this idea that uh, Americans couldn't have access to affordable health care. Why is it that every election season the Democrats come up with this idea that somehow we've got to expand uh, health care services to all Americans? I thought that we were... We did that last time with the passage of Obamacare. I thought that was supposed to cover everybody. Uh, Anyway, I digress. Uh, Poverty, lack of health care, smoking. I don't know why that one's in there. Racism, of course, with all that's going on in America with the Black Lives Matter movement. Climate change, throw that one in as well. Homelessness, you, you could throw war in there if you wish. This is what they do. They try to put abortion on the level with all these other issues. Uh, They talk about how we should not be voting on one issue alone. And when they talk about one issue, what they're talking about is abortion, that we shouldn't be one issue voters, that we shouldn't look at the abortion issue as the preeminent or primary issue in which we vote. And then they talk about the idea that uh, and it says down here uh, further it says, knowing that the most common reason women's, women give for abortion is the financial difficulty of another child, we appreciate a number of Democratic proposals that would significantly alleviate that financial burden. Accessible health services for all citizens, affordable child care, a minimum wage uh, that lifts workers out of poverty. So they put those on an equal standing as abortion. Uh, accessible health care services, child care, minimum wage, and the like. And so they, they make abortion out to be a financial issue alone. I can just tell you this, as someone who's been doing this for now 20-some years, uh, there is a financial component to abortion. Women do choose abortion because they don't believe they can afford another child. But that is not the pre- primary issue. The primary reason is they're irresponsible. 
They're irresponsible sexually. They're irresponsible with their life. They're making bad choices overall. Uh, money might figure into that. But I, I'll say this. If women could be given all the money in the world, and I don't think that would affect the abortion issue very much. Because this is about people wanting to have sex when they want to have it with whoever they want to have it and not having any consequences to their actions. That's what it really comes down to. And because we are a sexually saturated uh, nation uh, that has no limitations on sexuality, that's why we have abortion. It's not primarily or really at any level whatsoever, really, a financial issue alone. But they make it that. So this group, Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden, what they do is confuse an an intrinsic evil which is the shedding of innocent blood, which is the killing of unborn babies, which is a, an intrinsic evil with contingent evils or, intrins- or a con- uh, contingent uh, issues. And unfortunately, what that does is it, it just levels those two out. Uh, what, what is the difference between an intrinsic evil and a con- contingent evil. Well, an intrinsic evil is an evil that is evil on its face, um, that by the very nature of it, it's always wrong. Uh, murder is, a, is an intrinsic evil. It's always wrong, no exceptions to the rule. Therefore, abortion, which is murder, is an intrinsic evil. It's always wrong. There are no contexts in which abortion should be permissible. So abortion is an intrinsic evil. And these this group, Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden, confuse intrinsic evils with contingent evils. And a contingent evil or wrong are things that are not wrong on the face of it, uh, that depend on the context. So depriving or not giving people government health care, they might say is a contingent or an evil, but it's a contingent evil. It's, it's dependent on other things. Uh, war, for an example, is a contingent evil based on the context. There are certain circumstances in which war is justified, right? And we know that. And so it is with other things. So we can't put an intrinsic evil on the same play, uh, playing field as a contingent wrong or evil. And that's what they do, unfortunately. They they confuse the two. Uh, this, this whole uh, consistent life ethic is really just a, a redo of the seamless garment argument that we've been hearing for decades that basically says there's all these pro-life issues uh, we put all of them on the same level, same playing field as abortion. And therefore, one does not rise above the other. You have to do them all together. That is the seamless garment argument, which is now just being rephrased as the consistent life ethic. And what it does is it gives uh, these issues a false equivalency. In other words, People are saying that that hold to this view, this consistent life ethic, that abortion is equivalent in its morality to all of these other so-called evils that they list here. Um, 
like uh you know so so in other words they would say abortion euthanasia uh that kind of thing are on an equal playing field as other issues like immigration poverty health care the environment climate change and the rest and so they make an uh, them morally equivalent and of course they can't be uh, the shedding of innocent blood rises above because it's an intrinsic evil based on its nature. It's always wrong. And it, it is a direct assault against humanity. And it is in direct conflict with God's moral law. Uh, the sixth commandment says, thou shall not murder or shed innocent blood. The taking of an innocent human life is always wrong. Uh, and it's the in the sixth commandment, which is one of God's ten commandments. We don't see these other issues, although they may be as important, like feeding the poor, or feeding the poor, immigration, all these other things, health care, which are important political issues to be debated. And you might fall on one side or the other based on your view of government and what the role of government and that kind of thing. Should the government be taking care of the poor? Should the church be taking care of the poor? Should there be some kind of hybrid uh, immigration? Should we have borders? Should we not have borders? Those kinds of things. Health care, should that be provided by the government or should it be private? I think those are things that can be debated and you can fall on one side or the other, but I don't see a clear uh, uh, direction in scripture as it relates to those issues. But on abortion, on the shedding of innocent blood, it's very clear. The sixth commandment says, thou shalt not murder. Uh, Jesus talked about this hierarchy of ethics or the hierarchy of law uh, in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. And what I'd like to do, Mr. Producer, if you would bring that up, I want to read this. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. And so he, he's talking about how they emphasize some things over others. And he said this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, which are justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. So when people say all sins are the same, uh, that's not true. Uh, they might be the same in keeping us out of heaven. They might be the same as keeping us out of the kingdom because one sin is enough to keep us out. Whether you murder or lie, you're a sinner and you are you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, if you're a sinner without Christ. So on, on the sense of uh, eternity and heaven and whether we enter into the kingdom of heaven, we all are guilty, whether we've sinned by killing someone or basically stealing their property, that keeps us out. But not all sins are the same in their implications and their outworking to others and how it affects other people. Uh, if I lie to somebody, that's bad, not good. But if I kill them, that's worse. I mean, they're not around anymore, right? I mean, and that's why God had his top 10. And Jesus is talking about the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. He put those above 
these other things because they were tithing their mint and their dill and their uh, or, and their cumin. They were tithing these small spices. And Jesus said, "That's you're 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 overlooking. You should do those things. That's fine. You want to do those things. That's fine, but don't overlook the weightier provisions of the law." And what's happening here with pro-life uh, evangelicals for Biden is they're they're uh, overlooking the weightiest provision of the law, and that is thou shalt not murder. Now, how you go about solving the problem of abortion uh, is is another issue, uh, but it certainly is the preeminent issue facing America and the world, and that is that we are slaughtering babies by the tune of about a million a year in America and 40 million uh, internationally around the world, uh, and we cannot have equality if we continue to kill the weakest among us. So, um, evangelical, this pro-life evangelicals for Biden uh, are are confusing intrinsic evils with contingent evils or wrongs, and they're not uh, considering the weightier portions of the law, which in this case is really the shedding of innocent blood. It, it rises above all the rest of these, and we need to be against it. We need to be against it and say it should be against the law. Uh, now, how we go about bringing that to to fruition is a debate that we can have. And I'm certain that there are ways we can help women and others, you know, in financially and other things. Healthcare might be a part of it. I don't know. Uh, maybe we should do some of that, make it more difficult for women to choose to kill their babies. That's for certain. Maybe some policies on the Republican side or Democrat side might aid in that. But I wouldn't go for all of those Democrat policies uh, and neglect the biggest one of all, and that is abortion. And the fact that Joe Biden supports abortion on demand, that is, for any reason or no reason, up until the very moment of birth, and he wants you to pay for it with your tax dollars. And he wants to codify Roe v. Wade. He wants to pack the U.S. Supreme Court with liberal justices if he gets in so that there will never be a conservative put on the uh, court again. Uh, these are the things he wants to do. And as Christians, we cannot we cannot support Joe Biden. Uh, John Paul II said this, talking about this so-called seamless garment or the consistent life ethic. He said this, and I quote, Above all, the common outcry, which is justly made on behalf of human, life, uh, human rights, for example, the right to health, the right to home, the right to work, the right to family, to culture, is false and illusory if the right to life, this is really good, if the right to life, the most basic and fundamental right, and the condition for all other personal rights is not defended with maximum determination. So. John Paul II is is dead on, is right on here by saying these other things, you know, right to health, right to work, right to home, right to family, right to culture, are false and illusory if we do not defend the most fundamental right, which is the the primary right that the the founders <clears throat> put down in our Declaration of Independence. That is the right to life. It was first and foundational to all other rights. You don't have the right to health care if you're dead. You don't have the right to a minimum wage if you've been murdered. You don't have the right to come into the country 
whether legally or illegally, if you've been killed. And so this is a a foundational right that has to be fought with, uh, with maximum, as he said, maximum determination. So this pro-life evangelicals for Biden, I mean, they're mostly an outlier, but there will be those who are convinced that Biden is going to help reduce abortions. We've been we've talked about that on the program, how that's not going to happen, uh, that that federal policy has very little to do with abortion numbers. That is a state's issue that is dealt with with the state legislatures and the reductions in abortions during Democrat uh, presidential administrations is mostly due to the state legislature. It's also due to some issues with the way that they've been counting abortion uh, by not in, not in, uh, counting the California abortions uh, and also looking at the rate versus the numbers altogether. But that's that we dealt with that on a, on a prior show here on the show uh, on the program. And you can, you're welcome to go back and listen to it. But uh, we made the case that uh, Democrat administration, I had Michael New on, uh, Democrat administrations do not lead to a reduction in abortions. Uh, but the bottom line is, if you claim the name of Jesus Christ, you cannot vote for Joe Biden. I mean, the guy is for abortion on demand up to the time of birth and uh, funded by your tax dollars. But finally, to put this whole thing in, to rest, we can be one issue and we should be one issue voters. That doesn't mean it's the only issue we look at. But a candidate cannot be right on all these other things to make up for being wrong on the shedding of innocent blood, period. They just can't. They can't be right on on those things and wrong on that. That disqualifies them altogether uh, because it is the preeminent issue, as John Paul II says here. The other thing is, just on a practical level, uh, as Christians, as a pro-life advocate or advocate like myself, uh, if we fight all these other things, which may be worth our time, I mean, there are people that are feeling very, very strongly about these other issues, and that's fine. But as a pro-life advocate in the pro-life movement, to qualify all of these other issues of pro-life, which really abortion has always been the pro-life issue. Uh, what it does is diverts our own resources and our uh, determination and effort and assets away from fighting abortion. We can't fight all these other things and be effective in fighting abortion. It'd be like the uh, the uh, you know national the, the uh, American Heart Association taking resources and fighting AIDS or cancer. I mean that's not what they do. They use all of their resources to fight heart disease. It makes sense. And so should the pro-life movement. Uh, Another reason why I have done away with, for the most part, the use of the term or phrase pro-life. I don't use it anymore because it's really lost all of its meaning because of groups like pro-life evangelicals for Biden. They've lumped in all these other things and thrown them in the pro-life basket so that people think that, you know, pro-life means all these other things, too, along with abortion. Um, it, it's lost all of its meaning. Uh, and in some cases, on purpose, because the Democrats want people to think, well, you can be pro-life because if you're for uh, affordable national health care paid for by the government or illegal immigration or whatever, that somehow that's a pro-life issue and then you can be for abortion. 
So they've done a good job in diluting that term uh, away from what it really originally meant, which is that you were anti-abortion. And so I use the term anti-abortion almost uh, all the time now. I rarely use pro-life. I mean, there's a time to use it interchangeably every so often. But you got to qualify what you mean by pro-life. When you say pro-life, you say, I'm pro-life. And what that means is I'm against abortion. I'm anti-abortion. That's what pro-life means. It also means I'm for pro-life. That means babies being born. That's true. And taking care of them after birth. That's true. We do want to be for that. And we want to do all we can. And the pro-life movement's doing a really good job in taking care of children who are saved or spared from abortion. We don't want to just say, hey, you know, don't have an abortion without trying to take care of the baby once the baby's born. So we do those things, but we cannot lump in all these other issues, as important as they are, into the pro-life basket. We are anti-abortion, and anti-abortion is pro-life. So anyway, we cannot fight all these evils in order to fight just one of them. It just won't work. So that's my take on pro-life evangelicals uh, for Biden. Uh, Like I say, it's kind of an outlier, but there are people out there that are, well, they, you know why they want to vote for Biden? They just don't like Donald Trump. I mean, they don't like his tweets. They say, well, he's unkind. He's, he's mean. He, you know, he talks badly about people. Well, you know, they maybe maybe that's all true, but here's the thing. Does Biden do that? Yes. We're going to show some clips here how he does it. Uh, But that's not a reason to vote for or against somebody. The issue is their policies. What do they stand for? What have they done uh, with with Donald Trump? There's no question that he has used his position as president of the United States to advance the pro-life anti-abortion cause. So that that's my take on pro-life evangelicals for Biden. Now. What I'd like to do is switch gears a little bit and talk about uh, this whole thing with uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who passed away a couple of weeks ago now. And then President Trump, who was taken to the hospital on Friday because he contracted COVID-19. And it's interesting to watch and, and, and sad in many respects, in most respects, to watch people's reactions. We have a group of folks that felt sympathy for both of them. And then we have a group of folks that that kind of delighted in the fact that RBG died. And for Christians, some of them delighted in the idea that she was in hell. Uh, there were people out there on the left who were, uh, you know, hoping that uh, that that President Trump would die from covid uh, and, and were outspoken about that. And so I want to take a few minutes and just kind of discuss that uh, with you now. Uh, when it comes to RGB or IRBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she passed away a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, originally, and I think most of us felt uh, sad for her family uh, who lost her. Uh, and I, as a as a Christian, understand that even though RGB is most likely in hell, um, short of a deathbed conversion to Jesus Christ, she is likely uh, in hell. And the notion of anyone, whether it's RBG, anyone in hell, to me, is a difficult thing for me to deal with. Because the fact of the matter is, is I deserve hell too. 
I've done enough to violate God's law to deserve hell. Uh, I've just come to know by the grace of God, Jesus Christ is my savior. And so when this happened, you know, originally I thought to myself, well, that really sucks. I mean, this woman's in hell uh, and she's in judgment now. And it's difficult for anybody, hopefully, to, to think about someone in hell, whether it's RBG or anybody else. Unfortunately, there were others out there that didn't feel the same way. And uh, if you would, Mr. Producer, there's a couple of these uh, I'd like to bring up. One of them is, um, let's see here. Um, and, and, you know, it's all over the over Facebook. There were people who were, you were either on one string extreme or the other. You either just were in total sympathy for the family, not considering where she might be right now. Or you were talking about her judgment in some kind of gleeful manner in which you were delighting in the fact that she was in hell. Uh, I think we need to be balanced. If you would bring up this, uh, there's a, a uh, Facebook post by a uh, anti-abortion activist, Mary Rusk. That's it right there. Uh, and it says, uh, RGB deserves every bit of torment in hell she is now experiencing. Now, factually, that's true. We all do deserve that. But for the idea that we should be delighting in that and somehow take some kind of solace in it, I think is just awful, disgusting, frankly. Um, the Bible's clear also and that in uh, Jesus, I'm sorry, uh, in First Peter, Peter says this, if you would, Mr. Producer, bring that up, 1 Peter 3, 9. There's, there's two sides of this coin, right? The Bible talks about how we want our enemies to be defeated. That's clear, and we're going to bring up a verse or two on that. It also talks about how, how God does not want anyone to perish. This is what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient, patient towards you. Isn't it a good thing that God is patient towards us, uh, that he just doesn't all of a sudden, boom, take you out? Not wishing for anyone to perish, but for all to come to repentance. That is God's. Uh, view of every one of us, whether you're RBG or you're Mark Harrington or you're anybody else, that he does not wish anyone to perish. And what he means by that is to go to hell. So it's not God's wish that RGB, RBG be in hell, although we unfortunately saw some people gloating about that prospect. Now, does she deserve hell? Yes, we all do. Did she do things to perpetuate uh, abortion killing in America? Yes, she sat on the Supreme Court for 27 years. She sat and um, judged cases on abortion. Uh, is she on the level of an Adolf Hitler? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. RBG was in the U.S. Supreme Court for 27 years. She was not there when. Roe v. Wade was handed down. I think that, that whoever sat on that court is going to have a higher culpability. Uh, she was not there for the Casey versus Planned Parenthood case either. 
She did hear some abortion cases, but they weren't Roe v. Wade issues. Now, you can say, oh, Mark, you're giving her too much of a, of a pass here. But there were nine justices on the U.S. Supreme Court. Are they all culpable equally? I don't know. I mean, they were sitting on the court of an in an institution that has basically permitted abortion for the last 47 years. Aren't they all guilty of that? Uh, RGB is not on the level of Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a dictator who instituted the final solution, which was a, you know, a systematic destruction of uh, European jewelry, uh, millions of them. There's a little difference between uh, RBG and Hitler. Maybe not a lot, but there is some. And we should not delight in the demise of our enemies because the Bible is clear. Although we want them to be defeated, true, we should not delight in them. Uh, the Bible's clear about imprecatory prayers on the other side. So we have on the one side that God does not wish anyone to perish, right? But come to the knowledge of the truth and be saved, come to repentance. That's true. But we also have on the other side imprecatory prayers, prayers, imprecatory psalms. And Mr. Producer, if you would bring that up in the second paragraph, it says here, and this is on... Um, gotquestions.org. It says an imprecation or an imprecatory psalm is a curse that includes misfortune or involves a misfortune upon someone. Imprecatory psalms are these in which the author imprecates. That is, he calls down calamity, destruction, and God's anger and judgment on his enemies. I have prayed these prayers. I have prayed for God to destroy his enemies, to defeat them. I have never prayed that they go to hell necessarily because I don't want that for them. I want them to repent. Uh, there are many of these imprecatory prayers. It's something that we as Christians like to avoid <laughs> because they are hard to 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 reason with. They're hard to they're difficult to balance with God's love. But it goes on to say that there are several of these in the Psalms, Psalms 5, 10, 17, 35, 58, and so on. What I'd like to look to at is Psalm 70. It's an imprecatory prayer. Uh, this is a prayer, uh, prayer of David. And in, uh, in, in Psalm 70, verse 1, it says, Oh God, hasten to deliver me. See, David wanted to be delivered from his enemies because they're constantly after him, right? So, Oh, God, hasten to deliver me. Oh, Lord, hasten to my help. Let those be ashamed and humiliated who seek my life. I think that's completely legit prayer, uh, that they be humiliated and shamed, ashamed of what they do. Let those be turned back and dishonored who delight in my hurt. Nothing wrong with that. Let those be turned back because their shame, uh, because of their shame, who say, aha, aha. So this is a prayer of David, a psalm calling for the defeat of his enemies. And I think we can do that and also balance that with the idea that God wants no one to perish, but to come to repentance. We should not delight in the defeat or demise, especially one leading to eternal damnation of our enemies. Now, 
with that in mind, Joe Biden uh, took the high road uh, in the last couple of days because President Trump was in the hospital. And because of that, he took the high road. In other words, he said he wasn't going to attack the president while he was in the hospital, which is really interesting. Why why would Joe Biden uh, just suspend his attacks on President Trump because he's ill? Uh, but once he's not ill or before he's ill, it's okay to attack him? I mean, what, what sense does that make, really? This is all politics. But for the sake of the argument, uh, Joe Biden was quoted as saying just days ago that he said, I'm a little bit uh, on the spot here because I don't want to be attacking the president and the first lady right now. So he suspended all these attack ads on President Trump, especially the ones dealing with COVID because he was ill. But the truth of the matter is. Joe Biden, before that, was attacking Trump on this very issue. And I just asked the question, why is it that when someone's ill, we don't attack them? But when they're uh, normal, when they're well healthy, where it's okay to. So what I want to do here is play a couple of clips. This first clip is Joe Biden saying that he's going to stand down um, from attacking uh, President Trump. Go ahead and play that clip. A matter of politics. It's a bracing reminder to all of us that we have to take this virus seriously. It's not going away automatically. It is the kind of tone that we have so, come to on. expect so he, in the he nation. He says it's not going to go away. Hold on a minute. Go back to the other clip. Um, so he's he's basically suspending his attacks uh, because the president is in the hospital. Now, this next clip is on CNN. Uh, this is about Joe Biden and how um, he takes the high road. Supposedly. So go ahead and play that first clip. And here you see Joe Biden showing you what a real man does, what a real human being does. Real and that's man. just say I'm uh, mocking Donald Trump right now is unfair. And we're all going to pull with him together. But we do also it's have okay to, to do it at other times that we've got to wear a mask and social distance. We are in the thick of this pandemic. We don't have to go right. back to 2016. We can look to even now where he go ahead and go to the next clip. The next clip is uh, Joe Biden or, or it's this uh, one of these commentators talking about how Joe Biden's a real man. Donald Trump's not. Go ahead and play that clip. Starts at one twenty in this clip. Um, all right, I guess we don't have that one ready. Okay, so all right, all right, move on then. Let's. So Joe Biden suspended his attacks against uh, against President Trump because he was ill, but before that and now that President Trump has come back from the hospital and is in the White House, I'm sure it's going to pick back up. Uh, here's Joe Biden talking about how President Trump is a clown. See, the, the attacks didn't matter before. Uh, only matter, I guess, when he's sick. I mean, I don't know. This doesn't make any sense. This is totally politics. That's all it is. Uh, this, is a, this is a clip from the debate the other night where Joe Biden. See, everybody said President Trump was unkind. He was mean. He called him names. That's not true. Joe, Joe Biden called pre the president of the United States. He called him a clown. Go ahead and play this clip. 
Final word, Mr. Well, it's hard to get any word in with this clown. Excuse me. This, hey, hey this let me person. just say to you. No, no, no. I'm no. Mr. President. Three and a half million. And then he interrupts. That All right. Move on. The next one, he says, Joe Biden says the next. Go ahead and stop that clip. The next clip, he says that uh, the president is the worst president of all time. Go ahead, play that clip. Why did you do it? Because you weren't president screwing things up. You were a senator. You're the the worst president America has ever had. Come on. Let me me just say, I've done more. All right. The next one, he says he blames Trump basically for 200,000 deaths due to COVID. Go ahead and play that clip. We can't believe this has happened to him. All his whining and self-pity. Well, this pandemic didn't happen to him. It happened to all of us. Well, now it has. His job isn't to whine about it. His job is to do something about it, to lead. Trump is staking his re-election on the virus being under control and his promise. You know, it's interesting how Joe Biden says that Donald Trump has has failed on COVID. Uh, you probably heard this other places, but this is a novel coronavirus. That means we've never dealt with it before. Uh, the president, as was everybody else, scientific, medical community, everybody was trying to deal with this uh, because we'd never done it before. And the things that President Trump did, he did at the recommendation of the very scientists and medical professionals that Joe Biden says he's he would listen to. Uh, president Trump closed the borders to China. Joe Biden said that was xenophobic. President Trump locked down the country. Joe Biden was not wearing a mask as late as March 19 and holding political rallies. So what would have Biden done differently? Nothing. He listened to his uh, his experts, uh, President Trump did, and so would Joe Biden. Now, you could say he made the wrong calls, but he did listen to the people that he felt knew the most. So the fact that somehow President Trump has failed on coronavirus is is, is incorrect. But uh, the idea that he's blaming them and saying that he killed these uh, 200,000 Americans is just flat out disgusting. Further than that, President Trump was taken to the hospital the other day, and there are uh, ample uh examples on social media about how those who are his enemies kind of delighting in the idea that he has COVID, uh, kind of this karma that came back, you know, because he was not taking, supposedly not taking the, the, uh, uh, the pandemic seriously. Uh, if you would, Mr. Producer, put up this, yeah, this tweet, this is from a Clinton staffer, Hillary, Hillary Clinton staffer. Uh, former Obama White House staffer and Hillary Clinton's former 2016 national spokeswoman. Now, this is on Pierce Morgan's uh, uh, Twitter feed. Pierce Morgan is a talk show host. And apparently Zara Rahim has taken down this tweet for good reason. But it says, it's been against my moral identity to tweet this for the past four years. Uh, like she's been, you know, some some really high and mighty moral person because she didn't uh, call for the death of the president. But she says this is uh, against my moral identity to tweet this for the past four years. But I hope he dies. That's coming from some of those who despise President Trump. 
Uh, Michael Moore, uh, the buffoon Michael Moore, thinks that Trump is faking it. He thinks it's all a, a ploy to win the presidency. Uh, in response to this, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and others have basically said any content wishing for the death of anyone, including President Trump, is not allowed. Well, you know, I, I would hope that'd be the case. I just wish they'd stop censoring pro-life activists like us. Uh, we right now are fighting with YouTube and Vimeo because they are censoring a video of uh, the death of two born-alive twins that were allowed to die in a Columbus, Ohio hospital here, uh, Riverside Hospital. And by the way, we're going to be interviewing the mother of those two twins this Thursday here on the Mark Harrington Show, Amanda Frienderfrock, who now is hopefully getting justice in that case where the uh, Health and Human Services is now investigating the hospital. But anyway, the point of the matter is, is that, <laughs> that uh, they've been forced to do this, um, censor, that is, uh, censor out these threats or these um, the, the wishing of the death of President Trump. All this to say, it's all politics, right? The idea that Joe Biden suspended his attacks on President Trump weren't because he he was, you know, good, well-meaning and good-hearted towards the president. It's just because he realized it was politically inconvenient or a bad idea to do so. That's really it. And that's all this is. It's all political, these attacks. The idea that we should not, as Christians, uh, we should not delight in the demise or the defeat of our enemies necessarily. We can pray for them, but we should not delight in them. We should not delight in anybody who's fallen sick or dies, uh, whether they're our enemies or not. The Bible's very clear about that, that we should not rejoice in a non-believer going to hell. So the bottom line is that our political discourse is completely breaking down in America. This is not a good thing. Uh, civility is out the window. How do we return to that? Well, Christians need to be holding up the standard of love and truth and mercy. And we ought to be the ones calling for our political leaders to have a discourse that is respectful to one another. That doesn't mean we can't take on the issues. It doesn't mean we can't attack those issues, but we should not attack people. We can be disagree. We can disagree without being disagreeable. Now, finally, what I wanted to deal with was the, uh, the confirmation of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which it looks like is going to start on Monday, despite calls from Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi to suspend and delay, postpone the hearings because of the outbreak of COVID uh, within uh, the U.S. Senate. There's been a number of senators who have contracted COVID, some of them apparently from the Rose Garden uh, ceremony introducing uh, Amy Coney Barrett. At least that's what they're saying. Uh, they're saying that 11 individuals have gotten COVID due to, I don't know how they can do that for sure, trace it back to the Rose Garden ceremony. But either way, the bottom line is this. The, Dem the Democrats will use anything they can to bring down this nominee, period. Uh, they don't care about the people in the Senate that have got COVID, unless it's one of them. Chuck Schumer would care about himself, probably. But he doesn't care about all these other senators. He doesn't care. Oh, we don't want them to get sick. No, he wants Ruth. He wants Amy Coney Barrett to not get a hearing before the election. He wants to defeat her and President Trump's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. 
Don't get this one wrong. This is just another ploy of many. And we hope that the pre- uh, that um, Lindsey Graham, and it looks like he's going to, is not going to listen to this, not going to cave to this, and go ahead and move forward with these confirmation hearings starting on Monday. Uh, hopefully, uh, it will uh, result in a vote on the House floor before Election Day. So we've covered a lot of ground today. We've talked about this uh, group, Pro-Life Evangelicals for Biden, how this is an outlier, how you cannot defend it biblically. Uh, we've also talked about how we should treat our enemies, uh, how we should uh, wish for them to come to repentance, never gloat or delight in their demise or defeat, the fact that they might be uh, in hell or something of that nature. And then the final thing we dealt with today was the confirmation of or the hearings there with Amy Coney Barrett. So folks, be uh, listening this Thursday. I'm going to have on the program Amanda Frinderfrock, who is the uh, the parent of two children, two young babies, infants that were left to die in an Ohio hospital, which now finally uh, there's some justice coming, hopefully, because they are this hospital is now being investigated by Health and Human Services, that is the federal government, HHS, and hopefully there will be justice coming. So we'll be having Amanda on the program this Thursday at 11. And finally, be in prayer for our uh, our, our Michigan effort right now, our vote anti-abortion uh, program. If you would, Mr. Producer, go ahead and play this video. This is a video of our tow banner uh, that is flying right now as we speak, flying over the city of East uh, of Lansing, Michigan. Go ahead and play this. This is really cool, folks. Now, if you can't read that, it says Unborn Black Lives Matter. Unborn Black Lives Matter. Uh, go ahead and play that again as I talk and take down the uh, volume. But here, here's the here's the, the thing. We are uh, undertaking what we're calling the Vote Anti-Abortion Key States Project. That is, we're visiting all the key battlegrounds. That includes Michigan, Ohio, Florida, Georgia, uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. Those those are all battlegrounds. We've already been to a couple. We've been to Wisconsin. We're in Michigan. Ohio is where we reside, so we're constantly doing things here. We're heading on Monday to Florida, where we'll do a, a tour of Florida, culminating in the debate. The presidential debate will be happening, Lord willing, a week from Thursday in Miami, Florida. Well, we'll be flying banners like the one you just saw over the uh, uh, the city of Miami and on the uh, the east coast of Florida, uh, exhorting people to vote anti-abortion. And also flying this other banner that says Unborn Black Lives Matter because the Black Lives Matter movement, not the notion, does not uh, care for or, or is concerned about all black lives, which should include unborn black lives. So we are flying these banners. We're taking our truck on the road. We'll have our teams on the ground on college campuses uh, talking about abortion and the importance of this issue, especially now with the U.S. Supreme Court in sight uh, or the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett. So, folks, be in prayer for us as right now as we speak, we're in Michigan. And then on Monday, we'll be uh, in Florida for five days and we'll be moving on to Arizona, Colorado. We'll be in Ohio. We'll be in Tennessee. 
and, and several other battleground states before the uh, November 3rd election. So we'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless America. And remember America to bless God. You've been listening to Mark Harrington, your radio activist. For more information on how to become a witness against the evil Evil. plague in America, call Created Equal at 614-269-7808. That's 614-269-7808. Or go online to createdequal.net. Createdequal.net. Be sure to tune to The Mark Harrington Show next time for your marching orders in the culture war.